morning. Welcome to Earthmakers, spiritual care for real humans. My name is Josiah, and I am the grateful creator and host of this podcast. I am a New Yorker living in Minnesota. I'm a clinically trained chaplain and a spouse. I'm a recovering addict living with an eating disorder, PTSD, and other mental illnesses. Let's get started. I am hoping there are <clears throat> still some listeners out there after I chose yesterday to talk about our impending death. <laughs> That's not exactly uh, the most exciting topic to talk about, I know. <clears throat> Excuse me. But we here uh, at Earthmakers are concerned mostly with talking about topics that maybe others would find weird, distasteful. You will find that spirituality asks of us to engage in a reality that the world, that our society, especially in America, is not interested in selling. For example, I would tell my patients in the 12-step community all the time that the 12 steps Refuge Recovery, Smart Recovery, Celebrate Recovery, all of the different recovery models are very counterintuitive to the American dream. Really, what spirituality is about is facing the truth. What is the truth? One day I'm going to die. And knowing that truth and maybe not liking that truth, but accepting that truth helps me to be fully present in this moment. A patient of mine once asked me, what is the most spiritual act anyone could engage in? It's hard for me to rank spiritual acts, so to speak. But I can say, I think that if I were to pick one, I think the most spiritual act by far, the most foundational spiritual act that someone could engage in would be the practice of acceptance. Anything that pushes us toward acceptance of what is will not harm us, but will only help us. And although yesterday we talked about death, today we are talking about life and that which gives life. Ever since quarantine, my spouse was having a really hard time figuring out what to do. My spouse is a certified, trained yoga instructor <clears throat> she's very gifted and uh, she's an ultra marathon trail runner and so she's been devoting herself to those practices most of those practices involve working with other people moving her body with other people's bodies and in quarantine, all of her yoga studios closed down. And 
lot of the parks were not allowing people to run on the trails or asking people if they were to run on the trails to stay away from each other during this season of COVID-19. So she was wrestling with that, and I don't blame her. I mean, I came late to the quarantine game because I was considered essential staff up until a few weeks ago when my agency decided to furlough me. So uh, I had to adjust as well. But finally, I think my spouse found a rhythm. And part of that rhythm for her involves making bread. And not just any kind of bread. Sourdough bread. <clears throat> so, I have a weird gut health issue that hasn't been necessarily given a name. But basically, the human gut is designed to ferment foods. When my gut begins the fermentation process, it makes me sick. So I have been on a what's called a low FODMAP diet for quite a while now, allowing my gut to heal. So I'm not exactly gluten-free. It's just that most glutinous bread products are made with a non-fermented wheat sprout. And sourdough, homemade sourdough starters present a fermented wheat sprout, which is actually really good for your gut. So Carrie, my spouse, has been filling the house with the smells of breads, cupcakes, cookies, pancakes, uh, every imaginable thing you could make with a sourdough starter she has been doing. And the breads and the cookies and the cupcakes and the pancakes and all the other amazing shit she's been making has turned out just delicious. And you know that smell of homemade bread when it fills the house? It's just, there's just nothing else like it. It's, it's amazing because it's just heat touching grain, water, and air. And it's those three things, grain, water, and air, that invite this microscopic bacteria, this life form that begins to ferment and give life to the starter, give life to the grain and the water. And it's just introducing the grain and the water to the air that's already around us that begins the fermentation process. It's amazing. And all you're smelling when bread is baking is the heat that is transforming that life into food that can help give us life. Bread is a foundational, staple food for human life. And I'm glad that whoever discovered it, discovered it. If you haven't watched the Netflix miniseries, Cooked or Read the Book, it's based on Cooked by Michael Pollan, the journalist and food writer. Uh, I encourage you to jump on that. It is a brilliant study. And uh, 
quite interesting to see how bread and air have transformed how we live our lives. So Carrie has been making bread that is life itself, fermented bread, one. And two, she's been feeding it to us in this house, and that is life-giving to us. But also, bread is more than that. Engaging with bread is more than that. Right? In the Christian community, which I have been a part of for many years, and even though I identify as a Buddhist, I still continue to worship at a little Lutheran church in St. Paul with my spouse. And the thing that I love the most about worshiping with Christians is the practice of engaging with Holy Communion. Holy Communion goes by different names. Holy Communion, the Lord's Supper, the Eucharist. Eucharist comes from a Greek word meaning thanksgiving and sacrifice. And there's different, different uh, Christian spiritual traditions interpret the taking of communion differently. But whatever you believe it is, either way, what communion is doing, eating bread and drinking wine or grape juice, is bringing people together around one table. People of different backgrounds, opinions, experiences, colors, gender identities, sexual orientation, financial status, around one table where they are all treated <clears throat> with this very same unconditional love. As the pastor of our little Lutheran church likes to say, the table belongs to God and that means all are welcome, no exceptions. Everyone gets in. That's the punchline of spirituality, folks, is that everyone gets in. Everyone gets to play. No one gets left out. How life-giving is that? The word that we use in the Christian tradition for communion is sacrament. Sacrament is not the same thing as symbol. And sacrament is the thing that keeps me returning to the Christian experience. When I was in college, I was going through my very first phase of deconstruction. I was losing my faith. And then I went to a Lutheran church for the first time. Lutherans are uh, fairly rare in upstate New York. There are, there are many, but not easy to find. And my Lutheran buddies at college took me to my first Lutheran church service. And I loved the old hymns, and the people were friendly, and, but I wasn't really 
inspired until we took communion together and we knelt at the altar rail and received the bread and the wine or the grape juice. And then I saw something different, the sacrament, the engaging with bread as life-giving, that even an ordinary thing like bread, even an everyday staple like grape juice or wine could possess an element of the divine. These ordinary everyday things could be vehicles of the spirit or whatever you call it. In an article from Lion's Roar, which is the quintessential um, pan-Buddhist magazine, the writer Alyssa Altman writes the article called Bread of Life, and she says this. In its most elemental form, bread is little more than water, flour, a leavening agent or not, and time. The making of bread requires patience, or kasanti, one of the six paramitas, or transcendent perfections within Buddhism. We want instant success, but must have the gentle forbearance that anchors us in breath, to which the word bread is so etymologically close. Wherever you are right now, I want to invite you to take a seat. You can sit in a chair, you can sit on a cushion or a pillow, you can sit on the floor, you can sit on your bed, or you can stand. You can sit against a wall, you can lie down on your back. And let's take in a few deep breaths together. In, In through the nose on four, and out through the mouth on four. Breathe out. Breathe out as if blowing through a straw. When we purse our lips in that way and blow air out as if blowing through a straw, we have discovered that it actually um, activates the nerves in our body that calm our body when we blow air out of our mouth like that. Isn't that crazy? So breathe out through a straw. And then settle into a normal pattern of the in and out of your breathing. And just be here now with the breath. And listen to the rest of this quote by Alyssa Altman article called Bread of Life. Bread necessitates the acceptance of the imperfect 
and the impermanent. Starters fail, does rise and fall. The results are dense as a brick or light as a pillow. Left to stand a day too long and dusty white spots fleck the surface of the crust, indicating its impending rot. And yet bread is transformative nearly everywhere, signifying the start of the Sabbath for some and the body of Christ for others. We break bread to welcome guests to our table. We sit down alone in the dim light of a quiet early morning, apply heat, toaster, broiler, open flame, to a slice of bread no matter its solidity. It evolves and emerges brown and crisp. We swipe sweet butter or fruit jam from edge to edge or top it with a fried egg or a slab of baked tofu and slivered radishes. Our day has begun. Elemental sustenance rooted in the growing and harvesting of grain, its milling and grinding, its mixing and folding, kneading and dusting and waiting. Bread is history, and bread is time. Bread is patience. Interesting that we could replace the word bread there with we. We are history. We are time. We are patience. The musician and poet Jason Upton calls sacrament, we become what we receive. So you are what you eat, in other words. Christians refer to themselves around the world as the body of Christ. The broken bread in the act of Holy Communion is referred to as the body of Christ. In Buddhism, when we meditate and hold a flower or a dandelion in our palm and we breathe deeply and smile, we know that we're not just holding the flower, we're holding ourselves. For in Buddhism we would say, there is no distance between me and the flower, awakening and to see with eyes unclouded is to accept that I am the flower and the flower is me. When we slowly engage in the Zen process of making the bread, even though starters may fail, doughs may rise and fall, the results may not be exactly as we wanted, there may be mold, that's just like life, isn't it? Sacrament is you become what you receive. So look around you and ask yourself, what are you receiving in this season of your life? What are you surrounding yourself with? Are you waking up every morning and is the first thing you do running to your phone and opening your news feed? Are you looking for headlines about the coronavirus response in our country? 
designed to create outrage in you because outrage gets more clicks? Are you surrounding yourself in your recovery with people who are also recovering, who can help you in the process of recovering who you really are? You become what you receive. I receive air through my lungs when I meditate. And my daily practice is meditation. One of my spouse's daily practices is baking sourdough bread. The bread requires air, or it's just some weird kind of bland porridge. If it doesn't have air, it cannot rise and become the dough that we need to bake in the oven. I receive the air. I am the air. The bread receives the air. The bread is the air. I eat the bread. I am nourished by air. I am the bread. The bread is me. We are the air. And the microscopic life forms in the air. It may be odd to try to wrap your head around that, but if you really take some time and give yourself the time you can see the connections. It's pretty cool. Thank you. Remember today that you become what you receive. Ask yourself, what am I receiving? You can change that, you know. I love you. Take good care of you today. And I'll see you tomorrow. Tomorrow.